Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. The information contained in this podcast is meant to supplement your existing knowledge and not replace it. Always refer to your state board of nursing, standards of care, and respective institutions' policies to guide your practice. All identifying patient details have been changed to protect their privacy and remain compliant with the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act of 1996. Thanks, nurses. Stay fresh. I want you to step up on your cardiac soapbox for just a minute. He does this little dance. Learning time. That patient is just like, no, it's one, and I was 120, and yeah. she was like, this looks great. And I'm like, So speaking of cardiac rhythm, God, heart blocks. They're like the devil to me. I love that. Girl, make my hands sweat. <laughs> everything is different. I tell my husband, if you have like a kid that we can practice on first. Welcome to the Fresh RN Podcast. My name is Katie Cleaver. And I'm Melissa Stafford. Thank you guys for joining us. And we have a wonderful guest here today that I am elated to have here. This is Nicole. You may know her as Nurse Nicole. She has a wonderful blog. You're being too kind. Way too kind. (laughs) But I really want Nicole to introduce herself. And I would like you to kind of focus a little bit on your clinical experience Mm -hmm. Um, and kind of also a little bit of your blog. So you could give us a little rundown of who the heck you are. Who am I? Uh, my name, my full legal name is Nicole Riccaboni. Um, born and raised in Central Florida, kind of Kissimmee, Disney, Orlando area. Um, I'm probably the only person that's ever like born and raised in Florida. No one's ever <laughs> from there, but they moved there later in life. Um, <laughs> I became a nurse in 2011. I started out on a progressive care floor kind of multi-system. Okay. I did that for a year and a half, six patients, very overwhelming. I I, I went in as a GN on that floor with six patients. It was very difficult, but you learned time management like crazy. Were you on day shift? Yes. Sweet Jesus. I was on day shift, (laughs) six patients. It was very overwhelming. I had really good time management skills when I went to ICU a year and a half later. Oh, I bet. And I've been at multi-system ICU since then. Um, okay. But a year and a half ago, I went to the VA for about a year, and then I missed my home, and I went back to where I work at now, which is Florida Hospital. And tell me about um, you're in graduate school. Yes, I'm in graduate school. It's a emergency doctorate, nurse practitioner program, so it's family slash acute care doctorate. Oh I wow! I really don't know what I want to do, but in Florida, to work in most hospitals, you have to have that acute care if you want to work in critical care. Mm-hmm. They no longer allow FNPs to work in the ICU setting. Okay. From, that's what I was told by a provider. I've heard that too, but I, it's interesting that they have that dual program yeah. to be able to get that for you. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting because I, I don't know if I want to do ED or ICU. They're both kind of critical care in my eyes. So I was like, I know that once I'm done, I'm not going back to school. So let's <laughs> this now. Let's have as many employment options as there we can you go. have. Because once I'm done, I am completely done. <laughs> I respect that thought. Yeah. And I have, a, I have my master's in a year and my doctorate in two years. And then hopefully I'll find a job at a hospital. Oh, you'll be great. Home. Oh, yeah. Well, and you're also a mom. Yes. I'm a, I keep, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's the biggest part. Yeah. I'm a mom. My son is three years old. He was diagnosed with autism March of this year. So it's been a whole new learning process. I know about... DKA and liver transplants and sepsis. Mm-hmm. Autism was brand new to me. With a child. With a child. Yeah. The first child. I, I tell my husband, if we had like a, a kid that we could practice on first and then have Rocco. <laughs> have the one with the autism. That would, that would leave me less anxious. But yes. with autism, you're constantly 
am I doing the right thing? Is he freaking out because he, he doesn't understand what I'm asking or he can't communicate what he needs from me? Or is he being a normal three-year-old? A normal three-year-old temper tantrum. So yeah. I'm constantly criticizing what I'm doing. I think I read up a little too much because I have yeah. all these tactics and my husband's like, you're freaking yourself out. He's three. He's going to kick the wall. It just happens. It doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So I think everything means something, but it really doesn't. <laughs> so needless to say, you got a lot going on. A lot going on. But so you experienced critical care nurse. Yes. In graduate school. Yes. Very experienced with time management. Yes. Cardiac. Yes. And family work-life balance. I'm, I'm trying to. I work, I work nights and my husband works days, so we kind of do the taxing parenting. He gets off work at 5 o'clock. I go to work at 5.45, yeah. and luckily the only day we have together is Friday, but I work the Thursday night, so I'm always making myself stay awake, like, oh my I god, know. I love this, but I'm, so hands, so but I'm so tired, <laughs> I would love to watch a movie with you, I'm going to try not to fall asleep, but yeah. I'm really, really trying. It's not personal. He's, he's, very, he's very appreciative, he, he supports me, so. So what I wanted to do, though, is have Nicole on the podcast to talk about cardiac. We have um, three episodes that dive really deep into neuro, and that is kind of me, Melissa, and Elizabeth's specialty, but we don't work CCU. We don't have necessarily that um, dive, that inch-wide, mile-deep, you know, knowledge base with cardiac, so we wanted to really leverage Nicole's expertise with so we want to so you know we know a lot of you guys are new grads a lot of you guys are actually new grads in critical care so we wanted oh, to ask wow. you know wow. yeah we get a lot of questions about people who are brand new to nursing and in the ICU setting that's that's a new thing that's happening we just hired 15 new grads on our floor and yeah it's very daunting yes i i really wanted icu when i graduated but i'm glad i didn't get it because i did not have the proper mindset or yeah. skills to manage somebody that's that sick we all actually all three of us work worked a lot of critical care mm -hmm. but all of us started out on in med surge or step down yeah yeah that was mm -hmm. how that was how it went back yeah. in the day yeah but so, with the shortage yeah and the you, need a lot of people are there mm -hmm. and it's not impossible to do but oh, you no, have to all. You have to work for it, and you have to have that that discipline. Yeah, you know, it really is going to take a lot of discipline. So, and I you have know. jeans that hit that ground running. They're oh, very yeah. organized, very oh, professional, and yeah. they're amazing yeah. caregivers. Yeah. So, and actually, I didn't even say this at the beginning. We're recording this podcast episode from Houston at the National Association of Critical Care. Yeah. Um, uh, conference NTI. It's a big conference. Gone to it quite a few times, and I actually I love this conference. Me too. Um, and. And we actually went to a session today about precepting the struggling new grad. And oh yeah, and they had some great points, but one of them was if you have a new grad that um, is not taking, and I'm trying to remember the word she said, accountability or what was that? What did she say? Um, mm -hmm. It was accountability. Accountability for their own learning. That's a huge red flag. Mm -hmm. And there's no really? way that you as a new grad ICU nurse can be successful if you're not taking the accountability for your own mistakes Very and true. owning up. So if you're making excuses and pushing away mistakes and not taking accountability for them, that's a huge red flag. And taking yes. the initiative to learn on your own yes. time, yes. too. Because you have to go home and learn. You have to go home and look at EKG stuff. And I try and to tell that students kind of that we work 12 hours. We have two patients. Me and your conversation might happen every now and then, but we're usually at the bedside taking care of the patient. If you want to read up on CVPs and A-lines and Whipples and things like that, that's fine. But you will not just sit here yeah. and not take care of the patient because you want to learn while you're clocked in. I get it. 
you don't want to do it at your house, but everyone learns at their home. Right, right. Well, and, and you're not going to retain it either if no, you're not. No, if you're getting up right. and, and checking vital signs and, and drawing labs, you cannot successfully educate and absorb something at work. It's right. not possible. Yeah. So I want so I want to dive into some cardiac stuff. So your experience is kind of more so in that area than ours. So our mm-hmm. first question is, what is some, what's like one of the first things a new nurse should really understand about cardiac? You know, do you think it's anatomy of the heart, certain medications, um, a solid EKG rhythm interpretation? Like, what do you, now that you're an experienced cardiac nurse, what do you think is, you know, the most important thing for that new graduate to really um, focus, uh, in focus in on in. first? In yeah. my opinion, it would be the anatomy followed by the EKG. Many mm-hmm. times you see the EKG and that kind of leads you to, well, what's going on there? If mm-hmm. you knew your anatomy and you knew the P waves and the QRSs and you knew depolarization and repolarization, you wouldn't really have that question. Mm-hmm. So anatomy first, then that EKG, mm-hmm. and then for treatments and therapies, followed by the medications. Mm-hmm. Sometimes genes do it in reverse. Well, I know all these drugs and I know what they do. Do you really know what they do? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What is the expected outcome of the drug? Are you expecting a systole? Are you expecting the heart rate to go lower? Mm-hmm. You have to know those fundamentals first mm-hmm. before you jump to pharmacology because it's not, you're going to get confused quick. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and I, like knowing the anatomy of the heart and the blood flow of the heart and the mechanical, and not just the mechanical structural, but also the electrical. Like so knowing that elements. inside and out, yeah. I think is so essential because if it reminds me of neuro, and I'm sorry I connect everything to neuro, no, no. but thinking about where is the stroke and what can I anticipate? Okay, where where is the physiological problem in the heart? What can I think to anticipate? You know, mm-hmm. do I have a mitral valve issue or do I have, right. you know, what kind of heart failure can I expect? Okay, I have a patient that's chronic AFib. Well, they probably have some issues with car- with you know, heart failure right. at, at baseline. Right. Are they, co- you know, they have anticoagulants and like that kind of stuff. So like understanding the um, mechanical and electrical st- stuff inside and out. It sounds like a I'm lot of priority. genes know the treatments. They know the treatments, they know the meds, but they have no idea why it's happening mm. and they can't articulate what's happening to an EKG. Mm-hmm. So they're really smart on the on the back end, but with the fundamentals, they seem to, seem to miss that or, mm-hmm. or it not be of importance. We had a gene during the code and I'm like, is there a pulse? And she's like, no, 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 with the monitor, though. Mm. No. And I'm like, is was there a P- pulse there? <laughs> We've been through this. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I forgot, I forgot. I, I, I get it. You love technology, and you love the monitor. Mm-hmm. Is there a pulse there? Because that can be inaccurate. Is yeah. it true asystole? Are the leads right? Like, you have to yeah. go back to... Is to, it PEA? Oh, yeah. God, My last like, code was actually... I, I love that. I love that you said that. I say that all the time. When you walk into a patient's room, and neuro, obviously, but it, it's it's applicable across the board. When you walk into the patient's room, look at the patient first. Yeah. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what the monitor says. If your patient's blue, it doesn't <laughs> matter that the monitor says your stats and are 100. I'm so surprised. They're like, oh, the blood pressure's 200. Is your transducer right? Oh, no, it's on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look around. I, yeah. I get it. The monitor is fascinating and it's blinking and yeah. technology now. Everything looks beautiful in the waves. You have to old school. I need you to look and see what's going on. Yeah. Well, it's not old school. That's the right side. It should be. It is. Mm -hmm. I don't, I really don't equate that with old school. I mean, I know, I know exactly why you're saying that because technology has an important role for where we are, but you know, it really is about what the patient looks like. Yes. You can have a patient who looks in distress, but the monitor looks fine. And you can also have a monitor that looks awful, Awful. but the patient is perfectly normal. So it can work both ways. And that connects, again, to neuro. I'm sorry. (laughs) I got to. But it's like the patient who has the CT scan that looks horrendous. And then you go in the room and they're fine. 
they're just hanging out. Yeah. Or you have the patient who has that little baby bleed, and then you go in there, and they're they're uptunded. You yeah. know, yeah. like it, it, patients are dynamic, they, and and you really can't just look at all diagnostics and say you know exactly what's going on. Because really, a lot of kids, they get their textbook and they're like, okay, boom, COPD. I'm gonna see all these symptoms. I'm gonna see all these symptoms. And then we'll have a COPD person just sitting there breathing fine, lungs mm-hmm. are clear, and the gene's like, I don't understand. I was like, it's, it doesn't always present that way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe they're coping back. well, they haven't decompensated yet. It's some chronic diseases take a while to present themselves. Mm-hmm. It's not like the book all the time. Yeah, that's a good, that's, yeah. that's good. I really like that. So from a little bit of different perspective, because, you know, the audience, I, I feel like is a lot of new grads, but I work in a neuro ICU. I feel like I've got a pretty good grasp of neuro, but I get floated to the cardiac ICU. What do you think that I need to focus on most when it comes to, or focus, is that the right thing? Yeah, maybe focus on most by walking over there. Is it, sorry, go ahead. Well, like what, what, like when I think about neuro, I'm like, okay, the the sodium is the big thing. One of Mm -hmm. the, the big lab, the sodium for the neuro patient. So, you know, like the, the neurosurgeon and the neurologist care about the sodium. What's the lab for the cardiologist? Or <laughs> when I get floated to see the ICU, and even me, I, I'm, oh, I'm swimming, I'm nervous, because I usually do multi-system, but we get floated there quite often, mm-hmm. and the first thing I usually want to know is cardiac history, any current procedures, and they, they're really big on potassium. Yep. Really potassium, big y'all. on potassium. <laughs> now, where I work at a multi-system, Nobody cares about that. They're like, okay, it's low. I'm not worried about that. But mm-hmm. sepsis, low K, that's the least of my concerns. But the cardiac surgeons, those electrolytes, they're really big on them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the cardiac history is a big one too. And, and they're proactive about addressing them. They're yeah. not Very gonna, diligent. They're not going to wait until the the K is 2.2. No, no, not at all. To address, okay, we're 3.2. I'm going to I'm gonna give whatever of K. Are you kidding me? They're yeah. 3.8. Let's give them a yes, little something. Yeah. Very, yeah. Very, you very, know, very, that very K. But, but let me just throw in this little tidbit about potassium. For new grads, please understand that your body won't hang on to potassium if your magnesium is low. So, so if you're so if you true. have to replace magnesium and potassium, replace your magnesium first mm-hmm. because your body will hang on to the potassium better. And I've seen nurses replace potassium over and over again. Yep. Like, What's the magnesium? Oh, it's one point two. You're yeah. never gonna get <gasps> yeah. that, dear. You're never gonna yeah. get that. And then you have all this ectopy and yeah. you know, like yeah, uh, yeah. So just you a little know. tidbit. That's yes. a great magnesium tidbit. and potassium go together, mm-hmm. but the mag is gonna make you hang on to the potassium. And Very a mag true. doesn't come on a BMP, so you know, keep that in mind That's too. True. If someone's doing a daily, my jean asked me that. I said it's it's not on a. Ba-. She's like, no, 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 it is, it is. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's BMP magnet process, but a lot of physicians will order. That goes yeah. back to the Kim Seven and Kim Thirteens, oh, which yeah. you never say anymore. Yeah. Really. <laughs> you know, you <laughs> don't, right? <laughs> right. Oh, old this. nurse joke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys Showing don't my get age. it, but it's okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> so yeah, but anyways, aside from that, I guess we kind of didn't really allow you to answer that question. No, you didn't. Um, so floating, so potassium, and then knowing their cardiac history is huge. Yes, because sometimes the parameters are different. Mm-hmm. I've gone to the floor and I was like, okay, bradycardia, 60, you know, under 60, yeah. I'm gonna call. And they're like, no, that's, yeah. that's expected after this procedure or surgery. Mm-hmm. You should know that. So when every time I go on the floor, I'm like, what are your parameters to call a provider? Yes. Like, what's what's optimal vital signs for this floor? I never assume it because I've gone to neuro before, and they were like, why is your blood pressure so low? And I'm like, oh, my systolic is 120. 
No, no, no. no. We keep it. Uh, no, honey. No, no. You know how many times I have been told when I get get there, your blood pressure is really low, and I'm like, it's this is not like it's one twenty. They're like, where do you work at? I was like, I ain't floated. I'm sorry. I'm like, I love that. You don't make my hands sweat because everything is different. It's you, different. Everyone's so, so sick. I'm like, I don't get brain stuff. Oh, you know, yeah. it's, so one time I'm, I'm having my flashback because I floated to a cardiac ICU mm-hmm. and um, they had, I floated to the cardiac ICU, but they actually had a neuro overflow patient there oh, wow. who's, yeah, yeah, I mean, our neuro ICU was full, oh, and, yeah. but a different nurse had this patient just mm-hmm. because of the way the assignment worked out and um, the patient's systolic was 120 and I was like, um, you gonna start Neo? Because little birdie, what's happening? That patient needs. She's like, no, it's one. And I was one twenty, and yeah. she was like, this looks great. And I'm like, honey, no. <laughs> oh my god, do you see? And but then when she pulled up the orders, it was like, oh wait, the parameter. Yeah, was the thing is, the parameters are there. You just don't tend to look. Two hundred, yeah. What it was, and, mm-hmm. and she was like, oh, but this is fun. But it's like, wait a second. So it's very important when you're on a unit that you're not familiar with to make sure that you're finding out those and not little to assume, things. Because I thought yeah. they were. I was like, oh, you guys are playing games. My blood pressure is fine. I mean, is it because I'm afloat that you don't trust me? Are you and they were like, did you look at the orders? And I was like, oh, no, I did not. I'm yeah. sorry. Yes. I apologize. Yes. Yeah. 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 Look at your orders. Look yeah. at your orders. And I think. Not what somebody told you either. Look at your orders. Yes. Oh, yes. As, <laughs> much, <laughs> as much as you might love that nurse that gave you a report, never trust them. Yeah. No, and they, they may you have can't. had a rough day or night, or maybe they, they honestly they got their didn't patients see confused. Something. They got something confused. I've had nurses that I've followed that are wonderful nurses, and it's like, oh, wait, the, the, the monitor set wrong for the wrong parameters yes. that are in the chart yes. that reflect what the physician said. Right. So sh- we've been doing the wrong thing wrong all shift. Wrong thing for 12 hours. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's really important I've been there. to be wrong diligent. Wrong drugs being hung, wrong, wrong stuff being scanned. It happens. Yes. Yes. It's, you know, human error. We're humans. But when I start my shift, I make sure I, like you, I don't trust anybody. Mm-hmm. And my jeans like, no, but they told me, and she told me. I was like, I understand what they told you, but this is all conversational. Yeah. Show me the orders yeah. that we have, the pressers that are available to us, and then we'll keep moving. And it's not personal that no, I don't trust this you. This is an accountability thing. I don't trust thing. either right. of you. This is healthcare. I'm going to double check because that's, if this is healthcare, this is healthcare. It's not personal at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So knowing, yeah, and I remember that when I was in, I worked progressive or I guess that would be progressive cardiac um, for a couple years, but it was like, okay, okay, this patient had a mitral valve. What what are the expectations for this? And knowing, you know, okay, they've got a mechanical valve. Are we talking about our what's the anticoagulant and like what's right. that kind of stuff? And okay, the patient had stents. Are they going home on Plavix? Like yeah. knowing those kinds of things is really really important because you know. Um, you, you as the nurse really need to be checking up on that stuff if the physician hasn't done that stuff. Right, and I, I know my scope. I know my floor's expectations of our patients. I know what vital signs they're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. When you go to a different specialty, you need to ask as many questions as possible mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you think you know something. You might be really, really good at DKA, might be really good at sepsis, but you go on a neuro or a vascular floor, I have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah. Biphasic. I was like, what? <laughs> we don't check pulses that often here. Yeah. Here we do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You didn't chart that. Oh, mm-hmm. I did not know that. I Now when I float, I make sure I have a little notepad and I write down the expected expectations of me because I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. 
Floating can be a little scary, but it's definitely. Yes. But yeah, so those are so make sure as you as a new grad, when you're dealing with some cardiac patients, you're floating there, you're paying attention to the potassium, mm-hmm. the magnesium. Yes. Your labs are huge, your electrolytes are huge. Those cardiologists, those cardiovascular surgeons, EP docs, they care so much about the electrolytes. So it's really important to know those and making sure you're familiar with the specific disease process and the nursing considerations that go along with those. Very true. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, Got to, you know, which one do you want to do next? Well, I was kind of thinking about going to neuro. You know, like we we talked about in our episode about neuro, when we start really getting nervous for our patients Mm -hmm. as if the patient's getting sleepier and more difficult to arouse. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, when do you think cardiac nurses get the most twitchy with their patients? Is it like, is it a blood pressure change? Is it a rhythm change? Is it a like... Yeah, like, is there a time when you think that they start getting a little more, like, they just, that nurse that's experienced is like, something's not right, and they're, you know, they may not put their finger on it, but, it, you know, I just kind of wonder. Right. It's usually with the ectopy, there's always some sort of monitor ding, or mm-hmm. something changes. The blood pressure was, they were hypertensive all shift, 170, 180, and now we're down to 95, and the map is still 65, so technically we're good, but... Who has a drop that big? Yeah. And you walk in and they're like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm just sleeping. And even if you were sleeping, that naturally does not happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that, that worries me. The physical presentation usually, in my case where I work, tends to come second to the monitor, vital sign, and mm, things like that. Which is very different than what we're used to. Right. The physical, I bet. Yeah. yeah I yeah, bet. Yeah. Because they, usually they feel fine. They're, they're compensating very well. They're doing great. And that monitor changes in an hour, two hours, they don't feel so hot. Mm. They got a fever. Their chest hurts. Now you hear the crackles. That usually comes second. Mm. So I'm one of those people that if something's dinging, what's going on? I'm not one of those, well, if the ding went off, I'm not going to walk in. No, no, no. What happened? I mm-hmm. do my little uh, monitor review. Mm-hmm. They give me the alarm history. Mm-hmm. Why is your blood pressure? Your blood pressure hasn't been this low all mm-hmm. day. I might go back in the chart, look at the last shifts, mm-hmm. systolics. Yeah. This isn't normal. And doctors tell me all the time. Why are you calling me? This blood pressure is normal. It's not normal for this patient. For the trend right. that's been happening. Right. This is, this is a change in trend. Can we get to, I'm one of those, can we get some labs? Can mm-hmm. we get something so you, so I can be proven wrong and I can be okay in my shit? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. So I yeah. think that's an important wrong. thing. Prove yeah, me wrong. Prove me wrong. But then also just because a, uh, not a lab value, a uh, vital sign isn't is technically within normal parameters doesn't mean it's normal for that person for that yeah. person mm-hmm. especially with those trends and stuff because i remember i had a patient or it wasn't my patient but i was sitting at the at the nurse's station and the heart rate it wasn't going off but it was 120 mm-hmm. and the patient had been on a cardiometer for two hours and they they, they had flipped into afib with rbr mm-hmm. um and they had started a cardiometer drip and it's like okay this patient shouldn't have a heart rate of 120 with the afib of rbr like we need to be titrating. We need to, something's going on. Something's happening. We right. we can't just, even though it's not alarming. Right. We got to deal with this. Right. So it's like noticing those kind. So you can't totally rely on the alarms no. constantly right. to before you do something. I guess is the point I'm driving. And people tend to negate alarms because it'll ding ding and they'll stop. And they're like, oh, wait, well, didn't whatever happened didn't last very long. I'm not really worried about it. Then it'll happen again. Yeah. And it's like. You're not going to go check that out. Like, you're not worried yeah. about what's happening. Like, mm-hmm. the length of time determines whether they're worried or not. And not in my case. I need to go see what's... I'm just nosy. I'm yeah. naturally nosy. People don't know, know not to go in my patient's room. I don't want you touching anything. I don't want you getting any water because they might... Bombers... I know the whole program. I appreciate you helping me. Just call me up. Yeah. Because every time someone's helped me, 
they did something wrong or the patient got sick an hour ago but nobody told me till just now so i'm one of those nurses just tell me what they need i'll go in yeah i'm good i'm good i hover i'm weird <laughs> that way because people get sick quick and people are living so much longer now 90 year olds 95 mm-hmm. any slight cardiac issue it's it's, mm-hmm. it's not good and i think that's important too like the the length of time because i've seen you know ectopy and what you have maybe you have a, just a few pvcs yeah but then and that makes a very short noise but then what if that's every five minutes right and it's long enough for you to kind of forget about it right but then it, then you pull up the history and it's like wait a sec they've been having pvcs relatively frequently they're just not sustaining Right. But that but it's there. Yeah. And it can definitely turn into sustaining. Yes. Right. You know, yes. those PVCs can turn into VTAC if yes. you're not being mindful of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So it's, And the provider asks you, how long have they been having these? And then what are like, you going to uh, say? Like six uh, hours? Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was going to call support. you, but then I didn't because of the, the beeping stop. That's crazy. <laughs> that sounds crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of cardiac rhythms, I... Hmm. I, sinus rhythm, got it. Mm-hmm. The big lethal arrhythmias, got it. AFib's easy. AFib, got it. God, heart blocks. They're like yeah. the devil to me. Those are, those are my, yeah, that's, that's the subject for me. I had a song in nursing school. I forgot it. They married and then they got divorced or something. Oh, yeah, that had to do with the P waves. Yeah. Prolong got divorced. Then they're together, but they're separated. So they're off sync or something like that. Yeah. It's a ridiculous song, but it works because heart blocks are very difficult. We will put a link. I will find that. And I will put a link to that in our show notes so y'all can see it. It was a great little, great, great little song. I remembered it for a good four years. Yeah, we'll definitely have to look that up. Because I remember, you know, like I remember longer, longer drop must be a winky box. Yes. Like I remember that. But then I'm like, I know that's second degree. Is that type one or type two? Like, I don't, I don't know. And then the third degree ah. is obvious to me, or not obvious, but okay, that's the one where the ventricles and the atria are not talking at all. Not talking at all. There's yes. no convo going on. No. Right. And yeah. that's the OMG, y'all. We got to do something now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just got real. Super real situation. Really quick. Yeah. But then, yeah. But then the Mobitz one. Yeah. It's the one that throws me off. Yeah, that one is too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, we got to find that song. I was just you know, well, and then I also, like, I'm, I want a magic cure to help me remember that. Well, and I know a lot of people, and I, can't, I remember been the a nurse for 17 years, and I still can't remember that. Oh, the little stick man? No. 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 The doctor? That's right. There's With, a doctor? So he's in There is a coat. video. Oh. Yes. Yes. I'm going to put a link to it on this, the show notes, but he does like, he. He does this little dance. Really? Uh, of, for those of you that yes. are doing a little She's dance. She's doing a dance. Really? And, he, and I was really contemplating getting up and doing it with you. So. <laughs> but it's, it oh. helps a lot of people, yeah, because he does like his arms with the P waves. That's cool. Oh, yeah. And it, it's very helpful. Oh, yeah. visual. Oh, I need yeah. that. Yeah. But I, I think it's important for us to let people know that blocks are challenging. Very They um, are. You're not a stupid person if no. you're like, no. oh my gosh, I had no idea my patient flipped into a second degree block. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is you need to know what normal is. Mm-hmm. You might not be able, I might not be able to identify that this is second degree type one or type two, Correct. but I can call the doctor and say, I don't know what in the world's going on here. There's right. something. Can I get an EKG? Right. You know, That's whatever. It. That's it. Yeah. You know, like, cause it, and having those resources there. So you don't want to just say, ah, something's not right. It's something. <laughs> you know, having a, a book that's got your EKG blocks in it, having a good, reliable resource provider or not, getting an EKG. I mean, 
I, I remember I had a patient in MRI. You know, this is a neuro patient, and they do have cardiac issues, y'all. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. God, all kinds of them. between a rock and a hard place, and you got neuro and, and cardiac I, issues. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. They have two different goals. Yes, <laughs> they do. They do. And we can debate those. But yeah. anyway. So, but I had this patient in MRI scanner, and... I'm in critical care, so we have to have the monitor on, and I'm yes. watching them. Mm-hmm. And you know, you get a lot of artifact when a patient's an MRI yes. on the oh, on the yeah, monitor. The Tons mm-hmm. of artifact, mm-hmm. but you know, the the scanner stopped in the in between a series of scans, and mm-hmm. I looked at the EKG, and I went, "Yeah, bring him out right now, yeah. right now." Yeah. And the and the tech's like, "What's what what's wrong? Like the sat's good, blood pressure's good." You know what? I said, "Just no." I don't do cardiac. <laughs> Bring them out. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I put them on my monitor and I'm staring at it going, I don't know what that is, but that is not normal. And I brought them up to the unit and I'm glad you I did. The scan. I did. I stopped the scan. I didn't. Well, they I, look, they're always mad. They're like, well, I was done. Well, the MRI techs were, yes. They get very, very, very upset about that. They the brunt of yes. why I didn't get the scan get right. done. Right, right, very right. Very true. Very but true. you know what? I have no interest in coding a patient in the MRI scanner. Could you oh. imagine? Oh, I almost said it. my, uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. But I'm glad by the time I got him, it takes five minutes maybe to get from MRI to our unit. Oh, good. By the time we got back up there, he was symptomatic from the block that he was in. Wow. So I'm thinking to myself, you know. Had you let that go? Yeah. I am so glad I was paying attention because, you know, like, and I just, and I didn't know, I didn't know what block it was. I just knew that something wasn't right and I was not having issues while I was in MRI. And that's all you have to know. You Mm -hmm. don't have to know how to read a 12 loop. Mm -hmm. You see a rhythm, it changes drastically. Mm-hmm. You have, you know, a team. It's a collaborative effort. It's not yes. all on your shoulders. Yes. Yep. You just know that this is abnormal for your patient. You present that. Get a 12 loop. That's it. Yep. Yeah. And a lot of, actually, I've noticed a lot of um, admission order sets have that kind of default order that says, for rhythm changes, obtain stat EKG. I've seen that So before. that you yeah. can get that. And if it's you built in, you can. Yeah. Yeah. If that's, if that's part of the order set and it's helpful mm-hmm. to know your admission order sets and, and what the mm-hmm. orders come with. And I, I think that was part of our ICU one where if we had an, a rhythm change, we could go ahead and get an EKG and then call the doctor, right. mm-hmm. which was, it, which was great because it saves time and it cuts down on things. And I'm not sitting here trying to interpret Right. What's going on? And mm-hmm. even even if there is an issue, cardiologists aren't asking you what the P wave is. Right. They're like, let me see the twelve loop. Like, That's, I don't, I don't need you to interpret. I'm a cardiologist. Just give me, <laughs> give me the tools so that I can diagnose. Mm-hmm. I don't need, but I do need you to alert me of a problem. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's your your job as yeah. a cardiac ICU yeah. nurse are floating. Because some people are like, well, I don't know when. If it's if it's abnormal to you. I, I would rather get a 12 lead and a cardiologist tell me, that's fine, that's good. Yep. Then I feel something's wrong. Something eventually happens. I could not live with that. I I, I, I would lose my mind yeah. knowing mm-hmm. that I didn't go with my gut and do something and be proactive. Mm-hmm. And then I waited to allow something to happen before I acted. That mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So do you think it's fair? Like, I, you know, I think about one of the questions I have is when, when does a nurse freak out? And is it fair that... If they're symptomatic with whatever rhythm they're in, it's fair to freak out. And by symptomatic, I think if they're feeling bad in any way, short of breath, cool, they're having chest right. pain, if they're diaphoretic, if they're feeling dizzy. I mean, is, you think that's a fair statement to make? Oh, yes. I've had many patients tell me they just don't feel good. And then I'm hovering and I'm charting in the room and I'm not leaving the room. Yeah. And I, I don't know what's happening with you. Your vital signs look fine, but clearly there's something happening that I can't see. I'll do a focus assessment, cardiac. I'll do it again 15 minutes later. And people are telling me, 
quit being weird. You're patient. They're just they're anxious or they don't like hospitals. And every time that has not been the case. Mm-hmm. Every time it's something that delayed and happened like 30 minutes later, or they just code. Sometimes yeah. there's no there's no warning. Code happens kind of in a, at a hill process. They're not going to feel good. They're not going to feel good for a long time. They're not going to get really sick, and then they're going to get really sick. Then they're going to code. Not anymore. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They don't feel good, and then they just close their eyes and they code. Sometimes it's just that. They quick. just drop. Yeah. You get a patient out of bed for the first time, and they oh, throw the a massive of, the PE. Of oh, the out of bed. You know, yeah. like they People that's like, just why it. Why are you so nervous? I said this person's telling me that they feel weird and something is going to happen to them. That is not a term that people just use yeah well, that, um what is that impending doom yes yeah. that is a that is real like yeah. i feel like i'm gonna die or i just yeah oh my gosh yeah. something yeah. is going on that's a very that's a real phenomenon that if your patient is verbalizing that's you even if you don't have something quantifiable it's like this pay is, attention this is to that right and pay people attention. always go right to oh she's just anxious, anxious. Yeah. she's nervous and that's fine uh, she's a history of panic attacks wrong, it's something to me yeah until i prove my my guess wrong i'm gonna treat it like it's something yeah and to nicole's point you know sometimes codes just happen out of the blue my last code was a uh, a patient who and i'm so glad that we don't have that many codes in my unit but you know the the alarm went off on the monitor that the blood pressure didn't take how many times does that happen Somebody takes the blood pressure cuff off. They forget to put it back on. You know, whatever. And I'm like, dang, I have so much to do, but let me go fix this alarm. And thank heavens I did. Because the reason it didn't take is because the patient was in PEA. Yeah. And I was like, yeah. yeah. It happens to me all the time. I tell people, just because something's not beeping loud, it doesn't mean that you get to ignore it. Yeah. Or like, oh, it'll recycle in 15 minutes. Yeah. No. (laughs) Uh, Can you imagine? Yeah. So, I mean, it was like, I, and here I'm looking at the monitors. I'm walking in the room knowing that I've got to silence the alarm and fix the cuff. Right. But the the monitor says she's in sinus rhythm at a rate of 70, right. which That's is not job. your typical PEA, you know, right. scenario anyway. Yeah. And then I look at her and I'm like, oh, okay, something's wrong. And then I, Ooh. you know, like, I'm like, oh, something's really, really wrong. wrong. Yeah. 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 I jumped up and I. code car. Yeah. 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 <laughs> So, but anyway. But so we have, we have codes often. Yeah. Yeah, we so that's a different. Very, very often. Mm-hmm. So our charge nurses are way more diligent about what is beeping. Somebody go in there. Yeah. There's no, there, I, and at first when people start working on my floor, they're like, why is everybody so tense? Why is everybody <laughs> so neurotic about alarms? It's because we have a code usually every six hours, two, two a shift usually. Really? So it's like we have been through this where you don't think it's anything and then it's something and you got to make that call and that call terrifies me to no end. I think just the fear of the call is what keeps me diligent as a nurse. I hate that call. Yeah. Something happened. You weren't here. Yes. This is where we are. I hate that call. It doesn't matter if they're 19 or 91. It's still they're tearful and and you and it, you hang on to it for a couple of days. Oh, and yeah. I don't want that call, so I try to be as proactive as I can. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, that's such a good point too cuz when, you know, with our neuro, you know, we didn't we don't the codes don't happen quite near anywhere near as often, I don't think. And you get as working in the cardiac ICU, that's just that is the name of the game. And even oh, the medical yes. ICU too. No, no, yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, get, you get very used to that. So the sooner that you can get used to, because you know my first code, I froze. Like you oh, know, everyone does. Everybody, yeah. Everyone so does. 
getting used to that environment yes. and how your team does it because some people do the whole kind of race car thing where mm-hmm. one person does this and they always have this job or you know like, yeah so knowing what your you know role would be when mm-hmm. that happens because it will yes. um is really really important and also familiarizing yourself with the code documentation is really oh, important yes that's like a piece that it's like you get so focused on the patient stuff but a lot of times or not a lot of times but you know, a lot of times you go in there and then everybody's doing the thing. Someone needs to record. Yeah, like, who's recording? And they're like, oh, uh, it's like, cool. You guys been coding for 20 minutes and nobody has any pen and paper out? Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. problematic. And I'll admit, I hate it. I've been a nurse oh, for I 17 years. What's I, your name? I What's do, your name? <laughs> I would do some chest compressions with the best of them. Let me give some meds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, heck, I'd even bag. Yeah. Not a problem. <laughs> but I hate documenting. I'm not going to lie. I like to. Do you really? <laughs> I did like the I liked it. I liked it when we first went to EMR because I went to, I was a super user for, mm-hmm. you know, the EMR. So, oh, cool. um, you know, I got to help train. I don't, I don't, anyway, they had the super users going to every single code for that reason because oh, everybody cool. was new on EMR. Mm-hmm. So that was one of the things that it did in our training is that we went through this, you know, it's really not that bad. And honestly, if you use it, you have to get used to it. You have to, oh, it's yeah. really yeah. not right. that bad. Right. And then the more familiar you get with codes, you anticipate what's going to happen. Right. Oh, yeah. you know, they got Epi. Well, in three more minutes, they're going to get more Epi, <laughs> yeah. you know, or. Not eh. that you just feel comfortable with someone almost dying right. or passing away. Right. But you have the confidence to know what to do. I've been yeah. in this setting before. Yeah. I know what roles need to be done. I can now take more of a leadership role, maybe. Yeah. Sort of. Instead yeah. of just hanging back and oh crying God. and shaking. Yeah. Because it's scary. It's still scary to me. And it should be. Yeah, it should be. It should be. Yeah. People that are like, oh, you'll get used to codes, you know, when you've been a nurse for 20 years. I don't want to get used to somebody dying. Yeah. That's, yeah. Not, that's not a good well, thing. Well, and let's be real. They're coding. They're dead. Right. Yeah. That's true. I mean, they have died. Yeah. Hopefully we get them back. Hopefully, yeah. But yeah. they have died. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you literally just witnessed somebody die right then. Yeah. Did, did so. you, uh, where you guys work at, do you guys do uh, where the family can come in? Yeah. 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 We, we've yeah. done that too. Yeah. I mean, most of the time, the majority of the time, um, especially if the code is happening on a floor, the mm-hmm. rooms are smaller. So then we do have to sometimes ask excessive people to step out. Right. But there are many times that we now say, no, stay. Watch, watch what we're doing. You know, this is, it's okay for you to see this. Let me, you know, yeah. see us working it's really like hard. And watch it. It's, yeah. It changes decision making. They're like, wait, wait, you, this this is what this is? I thought this was going to be lighter and it wasn't going to be as chaotic. Yeah. And blood wasn't going to be everywhere. It's like they see and they're like, oh, okay, yeah. I, I, I don't want this. It's not, it's yeah. not like TV. Yeah. No, it's not no, like not TV. At all, not at all, not at all. So to take advantage of your <laughs> multi organ um, experience, so sometimes it's challenging to differentiate a cardiac issue from a lung issue, mm-hmm. right? So somebody's having chest pain or they're feeling short of breath. Um, is there, is the EKG the only way to differentiate you think between a lung and a heart problem? Or do you think there's other things that can help you try and quickly make that call? We do ABGs on everybody on our floor. So usually it's 12 lead ABG. ABG. Okay. And that's kind of R2. They go, they go side by side. Yes, yeah, yeah. They, the ABG tells us what's going on, yeah. what's what's going on mm-hmm. pulmonary wise, and then the twelve leads to cardiac, and then everything mm-hmm. else, you know, UA and lab and things like that. But everybody on our floor gets an ABG, and it's very, it's very painful when someone's awake. It's one thing when you're <laughs> knocked out and you got purple fall, and they're like, oh, let's do a quick ABG. Mm-hmm. It's one thing when you know mm-hmm. you have a nine year old and she's awake, but she feels really tired and she's not 
breathing or satting very well and we're like we're gonna stick this needle in here and you yeah, think that's your artery fine. it hurts and we're gonna hold pressure for a while for a very long time and yeah. she's on warfarin it turns into a whole thing but <laughs> I, I, I need that result to find out if you need BiPAP or I have to intubate you I need this result yeah but just convincing them of, of the measure is difficult within itself but yeah I would say ABG and then 12 weeks ABG yeah. and so 12 knowing, weeks. knowing your diagnostics is important and mm-hmm. not just going off of the 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 O2 sat. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, and, and truly realize that it can be lung or cardiac, and sometimes it can be both. Can be both. So, people have a lot um, of comorbidities, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot of issues. Sometimes it's not just white, you know, white and black. It's a, they have hypertension, they had a stroke, now they have COPD. It's like 12 disease processes in this mm-hmm. one person. It could be a mixture of everything. And yeah. they're like overlapping. Yeah, they're overlapping. All right, so to round out our episode, I want you to step up on your cardiac soapbox for just a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, and you've got all these brand new cardiac ICU nurses standing in front mm-hmm. of you. What is one thing that you want them going on to their first day in the, in the unit that you want them to know? I would tell them to be your patient's detective and advocate. There are gonna be something that people tell you that you have to investigate yourself. Nursing and even healthcare this isn't like a friendship thing or a personal thing. This mm-hmm. is me taking care of someone who's sick. I need to confirm orders. I need to make sure what you're telling me is true. No one should be getting mad at you checking orders. I, right. Some people get very upset. I'm just making sure what you're telling me is true. This is my license. This is my scope of practice. I'm sorry you don't feel that way, but you need to stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And the detective is, you need to make sure that if you feel something's wrong, call somebody. Mm-hmm. I work on nights. I wake people up all the time and they get upset and when I'm right it feels great and when I'm wrong it's like okay you know that wasn't good but I now know that that patient's okay mm-hmm. you can yell at me all you want I now feel good and I know that this patient's okay do not be afraid to communicate or call or collaborate with your charge nurse this is a team effort mm-hmm. no nurse has all the answers I might not know what a complete heart block looks like but it's not sinus rhythm mm-hmm. This is sinus arrhythmia. I don't know what's going on. Let me talk to my charge or get the consult or call the attending physician. Do something. Act on how you feel. Mm-hmm. Obviously within your scope and obviously with orders, but do not be afraid to trust what you know. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know a 12 lead, but you know if something's wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, genes, don't, they don't have a lot of experience. They're very, very new, but I've seen a lot of them be scared to say something, and they're like, oh, yeah, I thought that was going to happen. Yeah, and they were right. They were scared to say something, but they were right. But they were right, and it's like, it's sad. And be, it's like, why didn't you? And they're like, oh, I was scared, yeah. and I didn't want to call the doctor. And it's like, honey, if they're on call at night, calls are expected. I, I, and I said, you have to get a thicker skin. People, they're going to be upset. Mm-hmm. People upset with me all the time. I, I just plead my case, and what do you want me to do? If you don't want to do anything, that's an order to me. Mm-hmm. My orders are not to do anything. We'll continue to monitor. That's completely fine. I, I, I've done my due diligence. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, when you feel like something's wrong, something is definitely wrong. Mm-hmm. People are living a lot longer with a lot of disease processes that cause a lot of issues. Mm-hmm. We've had patients get cabbage at 95 years old. Oh, I had a 93-year-old cabbage once. Yeah. The rules are changing. The rules are changing. There is no more like, oh, she's 70. We're not going to do this hip fracture. Yet yeah, they do surgery. They do surgery. Mm-hmm. They might not get off that vent anytime soon. <laughs> you know, trick peg nursing home. But they they do surgeries on people who are older. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you're dealing with a lot of comorbidities and issues. So if you feel like something's wrong, I don't, like the vent modes, I have no idea what's happening with that. 
respiratory, hey, can you come over and look at this? The peak pressures are really high. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. I've suctioned them. Can you please help me? Yeah. Some nurses are like, oh, well, you know, if it was a problem, they'd come over here. No. No, that's no, your job as no. the nurse to notify. ICU has a very tiny gap of, of, of what you can wait on until it turns into something. It's mm-hmm. one thing if they're a walkie-talkie 19-year-old. If they're coughing, they're not going to go on ARDS. They're 19 years old. They have no issues. When they're 95 and they have COPD, you have a tiny gap before that turns into a bigger issue that yeah. they might not come back from. Yeah. So I'm just naturally a nosy person. What's going on? How do they feel? They're telling me they feel weird. I'm just going to call anyway. Yeah. yeah. So be a detective yeah. and then be an advocate. Advocate for your patient. People are always like, why are you calling a doctor about pain medicine? Persistolic is 200. Clearly something's wrong. I don't. People tend to think that people who are in pain, if they're not doubled over and crying, it's not real pain. Mm. I said, I had a C-section. I was sitting there like completely fine like this. My pain was 10 out of 10. Mm. I was in agony. Mm-hmm. It hurt. Pain is displayed in different ways. Mm-hmm. But symptomatically, that systolic is 200. Mm-hmm. I can match that. Even, even if it wasn't, I would still call. Yeah. I hate to see people in pain. Regardless mm-hmm. of what's going on, 19, 90 years old, I still call. Mm-hmm. And if I get no orders, at least I can go back to that patient and say, you know what, I tried. I tried to advocate for you. The doctor said no, but can we do something else? Mm-hmm. But I at least tried. I work at nights, I'm used to calling, but everyone's like, you call doctors a lot. I don't know how to diagnose. Mm-hmm. I know my scope, I know my role, and I don't ever step out of that. So I'm one to, can you call? Can you make sure this is okay? I'm not really sure. Chest tube output, 500 in an hour. I mean, can you can you come look at the patient, the surgical fellow, and they come by. If you speak on the issues that you're having, most of the time, somebody will help you. Yeah. It's when you're quiet and nothing happens, and then they code, and then people are looking at you like, why didn't you catch that? Like, yeah. what, what, what were you doing? Why didn't you tell me And then me it turns that? into, this is your fault thing now. Mm-hmm. And that, I can't live with that. Yeah. I, I cannot, oh, you drive me crazy. So diligence is key. It's key, especially in the ICU. Well, in nursing in general, but especially in ICU, because they're so sick. Mm-hmm. They're so sick and people pass away, teenagers, adults. It, there is no demographic for passing away. Yeah. It happens so quickly. So to kind of summarize the, the episode, so if you are a new graduate nurse, you really highly educate or advocate for you to know the anatomy of the heart inside and out, mm-hmm. um, structurally and mechanically, um, and or electrically, electrically. Yes. Um, and, and focus on knowing that stuff first and then get to treatment. So once you know that stuff inside and out, really kind of move on to knowing the treatment. So don't kind of flip that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're floating to the cardiac unit, make sure that you're paying attention to those alarms, the trends that the patient is having, and not um, waiting too long, you know, making sure you're investigating all your alarms. Um, if you've got, uh, if you're not sure if it's a longer cardiac issue, you know, noting the ABG versus the EKG, and then noting that it might be, it might be both. Um, noting that, um, that potassium, which is something that cardiologists really, really care about, your electrolytes, huge, big, big with your cardiac patients, and um, making sure that you're being um, a a advocate and a detective yeah. for your patients. So thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you, Nicole, for being here. Thank um, you for having me. We will post show notes where we have um, links to Nicole's blog and, and her resources, as well as um, those videos we were talking about. I can't wait. I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> and additional cardiac resources to help you guys be successful in the cardiac ICU progressive, you know, a floor kind of setting. So thanks, nurses, and stay fresh. Damn girl, better hit the floor All the other fellas better run for the door Stop, drop, and roll with me I got the heat that'll make